Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. It's a crowded room. And if we're honest, there's a lot of joy in the room. There's a meal that is being shared, and Jesus is at the table, and he's surrounded by sinners. And when the cup is passed, Jesus takes a drink from the cup and passes it right along. When they dip their bread, they dip in the same container, holding a little oil and garlic, and they dip their bread in together. Jesus partaking of this meal with tax collectors and sinners. And the Jewish people that are in the room are flabbergasted. They just don't understand how Jesus could share a meal with these people. You see, in the Hebrew custom, to share a meal with someone, to drink from the same cup and to break from the same loaf, it was akin to becoming one with that person. You were inviting that person into your life, and you were interjecting yourself into their life. You were taking of the same meal together before the Lord. And so the Jews in the room all looked to Jesus and said, how can he become one with these sinners? How can he welcome them into his life? And why would he want to have anything to do with them? And so all of the tax collectors and the sinners and Jesus, they're enjoying their time. Smiles on their faces. The sound of laughter fills the air. But in the distance, surrounding the table, stood all of the religious leaders, staring, watching, judging what was happening at that table. Jesus knows what's happening within their hearts. And so the Bible tells us that he begins to tell a story. And he says, which one of you, if you have a hundred sheep out in the wilderness and you lose one of those sheep, how many of you wouldn't leave the 99 sheep and go pursue the one sheep that had become lost? That sheep is in danger. That sheep could be preyed upon by predators. That sheep could be stolen. That sheep could lose its life. So which one of you in the room wouldn't leave the 99 sheep to go and to pursue that one that was lost. In my life, I've come to understand that when Jesus tells this parable, when he tells this story, he's telling my story. I was once a lost sheep. I was once completely separated from God and alone and afraid and in danger. But God's love pursued me. In our lives, each of us, with the time that we have here on this earth, we're going to be confronted from time to time with moments that are going to stop us dead in our tracks. We will not know what to do. Those moments are raw. Those moments are real. Those moments can be painful or they can be filled with such joy. But those moments will happen in your life as well as they happen in mine. More often than not, when these moments confront you, when you're hit with these moments, 
the outcome of these moments will forever change the direction of your life. And today what I want to do is I want to share with you some of my moments. I was, by all accounts or by my own account, I felt like I was a pretty good kid growing up. I was respectful. In high school, I never missed curfew. I had half of a beer when I was a freshman in high school. That's all I ever drank in my entire life, half a beer when I was a freshman in high school. It was a Bud Light, and it tasted so terrible that I said, I will never, ever, ever do this again, and I did it. But I had a conscience as well. I grew up in a family of law enforcement, and I just thought, you know what, I just don't want to have anything to do with this. I never tried any sort of drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette, never chewed tobacco, just never have. Not because I was a believer in Christ, just because I thought to myself and in my own prideful arrogance, I don't need those things. By my own account, I was a pretty good kid growing up. Like I said, never missed curfew, never partied. I made good grades. I graduated 13th in my class. And I had plans. And I thought I had a certain trajectory that my life was going in. I thought, I'm either going to go away to military school and become an officer in the military. Some of you who are on staff here think, you know what, that probably would have been a good move for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like schedules. I like order. I like to know what's going to happen the next day. I'll look at my schedule the day before to make sure I'm not going to have any surprises. I like structure. It's just the way I am. So I thought, I'm either going to do that or I'll become a cop like the rest of my family or I'll become an English professor. And that's kind of the course that my life took. That's what I ended up trying to do. But all of the plans that I had laid out for myself and everything that I thought I was going to be able to accomplish all changed when one of those moments confronted me. And it was a fall day in 1997 fall evening, around this time of year. I was 17 years old, a senior in high school. I was active socially, member of student government, played sports. I was doing well academically. I had a steady girlfriend for over a year at that time. I was relatively happy, but that night, my life changed. The middle of the night, somewhere between 2 and 3 in the morning, I guess, I heard the most horrific sound my ears have ever heard. And I was awoken from sleep and I heard my mother screaming and I thought she was being murdered. I really did. I ran out of my room and went into the dining room and was confronted with a scene that no 17 year old should ever have to see. I had to physically separate my parents from an argument that had become physical. Everything that I thought I knew in that moment was turned upside down. My family, my mom, my sister and I, we moved out of the home the very next day. And every dream that I had, going away to school, going away to military academy, becoming a police officer, English, everything took a back seat to now how am I going to be able to be there for my mom and my dad during this time? And it wrecked my life. My life was turned upside down. I wasn't happy any longer. There wasn't any joy. 
I lost motivation. I'm a pretty driven individual. People who know me well will attest to that. But I lost any drive. I thought, what's the point? What's the purpose? It's not like if I work any harder, I'm going to go anywhere other than where I am. This is what I have now in life. This is my place in life. And so I just kind of stopped trying. Has anyone ever been there? Their lives and they feel like, you know what, it doesn't really matter what I do or how much effort I put in. Nothing's going to change. Have you been there? Because what I want you to hear this morning is that things can change. And things will change when you let God come into your story. Everything changed for me that night. I became a bitter person. I wasn't a very nice person. I wasn't a very friendly person to be around. I kind of lost a part of my personality for quite a while. And during this season, I saw my mom and my sister change dramatically. I didn't have peace. I didn't have comfort. I felt uneasy in everything in life. But I watched their lives change. And I didn't understand why is it that they're able to be so at peace and have such joy in the midst of the, the fact that our life has fallen apart around us. And the only difference between them and myself is that they had started to go to church. And they were being comforted. I made excuses for months why I didn't need to go to church. Anybody have any kids that are really good at making excuses why they don't need to go to church? Well, I was one of those kids. And so at first it was football season. You know, if I go to church, I'm going to miss the early games. How could I possibly do that, right? Now, I bet there's some men here right now that are checking your fantasy scores even while I'm talking. Shame on you, right? But that was the reason. Eventually, the football season ended. But guess what came after the football season? Basketball season. So I had another four or five months of excuses, right? And so I withheld from following them to church to see what was going on for at least six months. And after basketball season was over, I really didn't have any good excuse to not go anymore. So I went. And the first couple of days I went to that church service, I just kind of sat and I observed. And it was weird to me, these people raising their hands and singing these songs. I just didn't get it. What's... What's going on here? It's like there was someone in the room that I didn't see, which is actually a pretty good description of what's going on, isn't it? When we worship the Lord, it's like someone was in the room that I couldn't see. But that third day that I went to church service, the pastor was preaching out of the book of Revelation, and he gave this description, or actually it's John who's writing the book of Revelation, gives this description of what will happen in the end days. And he talks about how there'll be this bottomless pit and smoke will ascend out of this bottomless pit. And as the smoke rises out of this pit, the locusts will swarm the earth. Their faces will have the faces of men. Their hair will be like the hair of a woman. Their teeth will be like the teeth of lions. Their wings will make the sound of many rushing chariots. And their tails will have the sting of a scorpion. And they'll be given authority to torment the earth for five months. And men will hope for death and will not find death. Because they'll be in torment. And I thought, sitting there, I want no part of that. And the preacher said, every single one of you in this room deserves this outcome. Because you're a sinner. 
And I can still remember as though it was yesterday, sitting there thinking, you don't know me. How dare you tell me I'm a sinner? I, again, I'm thinking in my mind, I don't drink. I don't skip curfew. I'm respectful. I, I chose to stay here with my family when the family fell apart. How dare you say that I'm a sinner? You don't know what's going on in my life. And then he proceeded to tell me the standard by which I'd be judged. And Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, he said, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm telling you whoever's hated his brother or sister without cause is in danger of the same judgment. And I thought, uh-oh. I've never committed murder, but I can't say that I haven't lashed out in anger, been angry with someone. And then he went on and he said, Jesus said, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And I thought, uh-oh, that's me. I guess I'm not as good of a person as I thought I was. And he shared this verse out of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and it says that everyone, all have sinned. And fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us has come up short. And then he said to me this. The wages of sin is death. What you deserve for your sin is death. What you deserve is torment for five months by locusts that have stingers of scorpions and that pain and that agony. You wish for death and not find it. That's what you deserve because of your sinfulness. And I sat in that seat, and I can remember feeling so hot because the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on me. And I said, I've got to do something about this. And I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. But thankfully, the sermon wasn't over yet, just like this isn't. And this is what the pastor said. He said, the hope that you have is that God loved you so much. He wanted to pursue you so much. He wasn't willing to allow you to stay lost in your sin so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be a demonstration of love and to die in your place. The death you deserve, Jesus took it on himself. You have hope. Because you can place your hope and your faith and your trust in a risen Savior who died in your place. And then he said this. He said, if anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. With your mouth, confession is made. And with your heart, you believe unto righteousness. If you call out to Jesus, you don't have to die that death. You can know peace and comfort and mercy and forgiveness. And then it came to the point in every preacher's message when the lights go dim and the music comes up and everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And he said this, he said, if you want to pray a prayer today asking for forgiveness from your sin, what I want you to do while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed is slip your hand up and I think my foot must have been tapping. I must have been fidgeting so much because I was so nervous in that moment. And I knew what I needed, but I was so afraid. This is one of those moments in life. 
that you're confronted with and you have to stop dead in your tracks. And I was stopped. And my aunt is sitting on one side and my uncle is sitting on the other and I checked to make sure that they weren't watching and I slipped my hand up. And I put my hand down and then the pastor said this, if you raised your hand today, I want you to come forward and meet with one of the pastors. When I'm looking around like, Psh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but my aunt and my uncle, they cheated. <laughs> because they nudged me and they said, we saw you raise your hand. You need to go forward. And listen to me. I went forward and my life was changed. My appetites changed. The desires I had in life changed. The burdens that I had were lifted. The bitterness that I felt was taken away. And it happened almost instantaneously. I remember going through just like this amazing shift in just the desires that I had in life and what I wanted to do in life. And I know many of you look at me and you think, man, that's a guy who likes gangster rap, right? Well, growing up, I listened to so much gangster rap. I had thousands of dollars worth of CDs, probably 250 CDs. And one day I brought them all to the youth group and I broke them all in front of the whole youth group saying, I don't want this anymore. I was giving everything up. God was taking all of that away from me, changing me. My life changed when I was confronted with that moment and in that moment. But that's not all that changed in my life. I started attending Bible studies. I started attending youth groups. I started attending prayer groups. I started going to church early for prayer. I started helping set up the church. I was at the church whenever the church was open, and there was a problem with that because I still had that same girlfriend, and she just didn't understand the change that was happening in me. I didn't understand the change that was happening in me, and it caused a strain in our relationship. By that time, we'd been together for almost three years. That's a long time for someone who's 17, 18 years old, right? And one day, I was confronted with another one of those moments in life. And she came to me and she said, I know that God has become very important to you, and I support that, but I feel like I'm not as important to you as I once was. And I want for things to go back the way they were before you came to know Jesus. And if you make me your priority in life, you can still have God number two. But the way things are working now is not working for me. It was another one of my moments where you stopped dead in your tracks. And in that moment, I had a decision that I had to make. Am I going to follow what my heart desires and staying with this young woman and doing what is safe and this person, this really the only person I had in my life that I spoke too much with, or am I going to do what I know God is calling me to do, and that's to follow him? In that moment, I was forced with a decision. Am I going to worship God and worship God alone, or am I going to have idols come in and rob me of what God wants in my life? And so I told her I just can't do that. And she walked out of my life forever. And I remember being so broken. I was seated in the youth pastor's office. I hadn't been able to eat. 
I lost a lot of weight recently, but at this point in my life, I lost a lot of weight. I got down to like 127 pounds because I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. Everything that I wanted in life was gone and it was being replaced by God, being replaced by Jesus, but it was still so hurtful. I was in such pain. I was completely lost and I wept in a broken puddle in that office. And you know what? When I got up from that floor, I was still broken and I was still in pain. But when I got up from that floor, I didn't get up alone. In that story, Jesus says that which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep in an open field, wouldn't leave 99 sheep to go find that one sheep and when you find that sheep, you put the sheep on your shoulders and you rejoice because you found that sheep that was lost. Listen to me, that day, Jesus came, he lifted me up off of that floor. And even though I still had scars, and even though I was still hurting, and even though I was still broken, I was not alone. He put me on his shoulders and he rejoiced over me that day because I had chosen him. Now, from that day forward, things progressed so quickly. Things happened faster than I could have ever imagined. And I had a few friends that I had met in the church, but there came a point in time when they all went away to Bible college. And so once again, I was completely alone in life. This is the way I saw it at the time. I was completely alone. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone that I could speak with. So you know who became my absolute best friend? And I can say this without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord did. I woke up every morning and I read the Bible for an hour and a half to two hours. And I would read in the Old Testament and then I would read in the prophets and I would read in the Psalms and I would read in the Proverbs and I would read in the minor prophets and then I would read in the Gospels and then I would read in the Epistles and then I would read in Revelation. And every place I was reading, there was like this connected dot that was happening in my mind and in my heart. And God was saying, look at how all of this connects. Can't you see that this is all one story? And so my faith was growing. Every morning I would wake and I would read God's word and every night I would go to sleep listening to Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel. He has taught through the entire Bible and I'd start it on the internet and I would fall asleep to that every night. And those of you who've heard Chuck Smith know that it's not that difficult to do fall asleep while listening to Chuck Smith, right? But I was fed, my spirit was being fed, I had such a desire. Again, I was at every Bible study, every time the church doors were open, every time there was an opportunity to serve, I was there. I was growing in my faith. And there came this day when I thought, you know what? All of my friends that are in Christ went away to Bible college. I'm going to go to Bible college too. And so I drove up and I spent the weekend with Pastor Jeremy, who was at Bible college. And he was just transferring to a church called Calvary Chapel Saving Grace to an extension campus there. And I thought, for certain, this is what God's will is in my life. This is where God wants me. I can grow so much more. I can learn so much more. And so I went to visit for that weekend. And the Lord was so heavy on me. A Saturday night, about two in the morning, I left and I drove back to be at 
my home church Sunday morning here in El Centro because God said, you're supposed to be there serving. And it didn't make sense. God, why wouldn't you want me to learn of you? Why wouldn't you want me to be trained to be a pastor? And God's word said to me, no, I want you to not be trained to be a pastor. I want you to go be a pastor. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.